All those who are holding tickets outside are getting as fast as they can. I'm speaking out to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside. We seem to be standing rather lucky to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. 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 Only 18 horror movies have won Oscars, and only 6 horror films have been nominated for Best Picture in the Academy Awards' 93-year history. Yet, the horror genre and its many subgenres are loved by so many across the globe. The horror genre has defined fears in the youth and has inspired filmmakers to push boundaries, not just the technical boundaries of the medium, but also the boundaries of the viewer's mind. What makes you pull the blanket over your eyes, or the image that slowly makes the hair raise on your arm? What makes you scream? Why do you watch the horror genre and how has it changed over time? Where does the Academy lie with horror films and what films have they missed in the past? And can a horror film even be worthy? Welcome to the Worthy Halloween Special. <laughs> so we felt like there was no better way to start the Worthy Halloween Special by getting just a kind of classic definition defining each individual main genre within the, the, the horror genres or the subgenres. Obviously, there's mixing and mashing and kind of goes back and forth, but we're going to do a little bit rundown of the main kind of classic uh, different subgenres that we have here. So first, what many are used to, and I think what we'll see a lot in, in the Worthy and the Oscar kind of history is the psychological horror which usually relies more on the mental, emotional fears rather than monsters or the violence that we would normally see. So some examples like The Shining, Silence of the Lamb, and Psycho. Then we have uh, the slasher genre. You know, if you're thinking of Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, the classic Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street dynamic with our classic slashers. And then we have gore, which we'll see, you know, sometimes referred to as splatter films. You see a lot of close-ups of human bodies and really disgusting, defigured stuff, like in the Evil Dead or the Saw films. And then kind of closely related, we have body horror, which is more closely related to the specific subgenre that you see David Cronenberg's films in, like The Fly or maybe films like The Thing or The Exorcist. We have found footage horror films, which kind of refer more to the actual medium of making a film that's based around footage found from either VHS or some sort of video camera. Think the Blair Witch Project, and Cloverfield. We also have the monster horror, which is iconic for, obviously, Godzilla, Frankenstein, Dracula, where you'll see vampires, aliens, and werewolves. We have paranormal horror, where, of course, that's referencing haunted houses, possession, exorcism, and you can think of the omen, poltergeist, or paranormal activity. And that's a good reference of a crossover where you see found footage mixed with the paranormal horror, and then finally, we have comedy horror. So think Scream, The Cabin in the Woods, or Shaun of the Dead. So I want to start off by kind of breaking down those genres of the horror genre and really start by asking you, Ben, do you have a favorite genre or kind of a favorite series or just a favorite horror film in general? Yeah, so I think I really like psychological uh, horrors the most. Um, and I, it's funny because as you're going through the list, there are some movies that I already crossed over. Like for you had, uh, f uh, you had paranormal for The Exorcist, and that also was sort of like uh, what was it body horror because of the way that disfigured, you know, like the you know Reagan becomes like a kind of a disfigured figure during The Exorcism. Oh yeah, and uh, so it's I so I think that the genres, uh, the subgenres of horror are very intertwined with each other. I mean, even when you think of found footage. I mean, a lot of horror movies do play on film itself, and they'll make fun of the genre within the movie, so it can get very meta. 
Um, but in turn, but yeah, but I really like psychological horror the most. Like for me, that I love The Shining, Silence of the Lambs, and Psycho. Like those three you listed are, I, I just absolutely love those. You know, I feel like Hereditary fits in there. It's a more recent one, but that also can go into the paranormal. And that's also something like you know the next movie that Ari Oster made, which was Midsummer, which again that can even be considered more body horror or gore just because of some scenes so horror just really blends itself and interweaves itself through many of those subgenres. so it's really great that we got to break them down and uh so but rallying it back to you though like what's like a favorite you know horror genre movie that immediately stands out when you hear the word horror i definitely think of the not gore but i think of along the lines of monsters where you have uh, slashers or a combination of the two where you mix both of those genres together. I think I usually go to slasher films. I think Halloween being one of my favorite uh, horror films of all time and loving the entire series and the ups and downs of it. Uh, I've always loved the kind of like iconic serial killers with their cool iconography and the way that they've tried to collab with those. Like when you think of uh, Freddy versus Jason, Jason, like none of these are great films, but they're always make me laugh and I always have fun watching them. So that's kind of what I immediately think of. When we're thinking of Oscars, though, we'll see that there's a tendency to lean towards more psychological horrors, more serial killers that are bound in reality and nature. So, but I don't really have any preferences, honestly. Like, I love just the horror genre in general, and I love the way it gets mixed. And that's one of the great things about these subgenres is that they can be mixed together to make these weird films like Scream, where you look at Scream and it's and actually it's pretty freaking scary and it's also really funny where it has this combination of being able to play into the genre and actually be scary but also to kind of spoof and make fun of it and through each iteration and sequel it continues to kind of make fun of itself so I don't really have like a specific genre that I love the most but I just love horror films in general. It's funny because I actually I feel like you love monster mo- like I know you love monster movies and mm-hmm. You seem like every year you always pick a different uh, yeah like franchise and this year was Chucky which oh, is, yes. you don't think of him Chucky being the, a monster but it is a monster horror movie yeah combination yeah, yeah. With, with a slasher yeah he's definitely up there with one of the iconic slashers but you know between the the three or four that people usually kind of signify but yeah this year has been Chucky I'm on yeah Chucky five right now with only a couple <laughs> more days left in October. Uh, yeah, probably one of the worst though. Honestly, <laughs> if I'm gonna go through any of the slasher genres, well, or which one franchises? Which one's your favorite slasher then? I would definitely say Michael Myers. So Halloween. Okay. Uh, I think just the original Halloween is. It was one of those movies that I couldn't watch when I was younger, and then I like finally got to see it on TV or cable, and it like just terrified me when I first saw it. It's just it helped define I think the slasher genre so well, coming from the '60s and. Then from Psycho, then leading to what we get from like Black Christmas and then Halloween. I, I just love, love the opening first person and then right. all of the incredible like iconic music, obviously. Yeah, 100%. I love uh, our good old friend Leatherface from uh, Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre. I'm a yes. big fan of those movies and the remakes. There's, I mean, like, uh, like some of like the ones that they would make like in the early 2000s, early to late mid 2000s. Um, you know, it's not like the the best kind of movie, but like I love some of the twists and the horror that they use in that, and and those are pretty gory and messed up movies. But I I I really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre for some reason. That's like just my favorite slasher. It, yeah, we don't have to go too much of yeah. a tangent, but I have to ask you about that franchise. I I think I've only seen the first two of the original, and I may have seen like the remake that they made. But how do you feel? 
and I feel like this is a tendency when you look at especially Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Evil Dead, where you have the original film that's like iconic in its own right that helps like set up the series. And then you get to the second film, which is like similar to the original, but just like bombastic, insane with these weird sets. And it's like way more goofy and colorful. Like, does that hurt the franchise for you? Or do you do like appreciate that? Like the first and second film can be so different. It's interesting that you bring that up because we were we were talking about that separately where like a lot of horror movies now, they kind of are like, you forget about the ones that we like the five we made after the original. Forget about those. We're going back to the original and then it's becoming a sequel like with the Halloween Kills movie from this year. It's sort of it's meant to be more of a continuation from the original Uh, and Texas Chainsaw. You know, I guess I'm kind of okay with it. I mean. The I think it's just kind of the idea that like if you go into this near this town in Texas and you're probably going to be you know killed by Leatherface and that whole family. Um, so I really don't have an issue with it. I think that's just part of the horror genre where they recycle it. They kind of just bastardize it in certain ways depending on the film franchise and how much money they make and just honestly how cheaply they can do it because most horror movies are made because it's it's cheap just to do fun practical effects. You don't have to invest that much in terms of special effects and cgi it's it's just blood and just being spewed out everywhere which is really cheap to make so it's uh it's totally okay with me but i I do find it interesting that the way hollywood is making horror movies now especially of the remakes of original ones they're kind of again they're saying like screw the five that we made before this we're going back to the original and this is the true sequel to it yeah i feel that way about evil dead where the second film is essentially a remake of the original where they were like oh people like this a lot and now we have like actual money to do what we probably originally wanted to do so it's like let's just remake the film essentially and make it way yeah. bigger and way more insane and evil dead evil dead 2 is in my opinion much better than the original but there's still that like charm that you get from the original where it's like this they're you can see they're trying to figure out what this is like the weird first person camera of like flying through the woods like it's all really well done but on a very very tight budget and then you get to the sequel where it's like mm, this was definitely like Raimi's vision you could totally see like yeah. this is what he was trying to do and now it's like so fulfilling to see so you don't really get that in other films usually probably because of budget and the diehard fan base of horror films is is really amazing and they don't really kind of collab with the Oscars you don't really see that like kind of combination with like that kind of fan base maybe because it's looked at as as lower would you say that like it's kind of horror as a genre is looked down upon compared to all the other genres really main genres yeah and it's funny because I also feel like it's also one of the most innovative and most like how can we use the medium of filmmaking and how can we change uh you know change the story how can we mess with the narrative how can we show this differently and they do a really good job there's you know so much pov they use in horror movies which i i think is a staple in the horror genre you know jump scares obviously are huge but they'll they just i find it and we were actually just watching like just a series of clips from different horror movies and slasher movies and though you can see the clear pro- progression of how they use filmmaking and, and the different techniques they would to elicit that you know that fright factor out of the audience you know so I think while it's looked down upon because a lot of horror movies, again, are cheap to make, it's a little campy. It's kind of funny watching some of these older movies. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also very innovative you know, to look at and watch. And I feel like a lot of, I mean, we're almost 20 films in now through the Oscar history. But for the most part, the films that we've seen, there's a clear message of what they're trying to push, right? You watch a scene, let's say it's about 
you know, all quiet on the Western front where it's about war. Like we understand the severity of this issue. It's based on real life. You know, there's a really grounded nature to it. And I think we've seen that really for the majority of these films. I think you could look at like Rebecca um, from what we've watched so far in the Academy's history being one of those early films that you're kind of on the edge of being like, is this considered horror? Because the rest of the films that we've really seen, they're really grounded and they're drama or they're melodrama. And there's just a sense of naturalism or trying to be natural as possible where horror film is not always like that, where if you're laughing sometimes at a horror film, that doesn't mean it's bad. It means like you're enjoying what you're seeing. And it's part of the aspect where some people might find it funny. Some might find it horrifying. Like it's a mix of it. And I don't think that's really what the Academy looks at as being a worthy film. Yeah. They really don't care about what essentially what audiences think. If yeah, they no. did, then there would be that like popular film category. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's certainly something they don't, um, they don't really go to, but let's actually go through the, the movies that have won Oscars that are quote horror movies and part of the horror genre. And there seems to be a very common theme. And, and again, like movies they don't really recognize. Uh, so kind of in no particular order. Uh, so first we have sleepy hollow uh, from 1999, which won best art direction. You have Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992, which won best makeup, best costume design, best sound effects, editing, you have Phantom of the Opera from 1943, which won Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography. The Exorcist from 1973, which had 10 nominations, which is, I think, the most by any horror movie that we'll talk about today. That won Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound. You have Black Swan from 2010, which won Best Actress in Natalie Portman. You have Sweeney, Todd the Demon, Barbara Fleet Street from 2007, the Johnny Depp uh, movie that was made by Tim Burton. Uh, that was be- that won Best Art Direction. You have the 1976 version of The Omen, which won Best Original Score. An American Werewolf in London, which won Best Makeup. and was actually the first Best Makeup winner in the Academy's history, which I think is very notable. You have 1990's Misery with Kathy Bates, and she won Best Actress for it. You have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which won uh, Best Actor for Frederick Marsh, and he tied Wallace Beery that year for the award in 1931. You have Whatever Happened to Baby Jane in 1962, which won Best Costume Design. The Fly from 86, which won Best Makeup. Picture Dorian Gray from 1945, which won Best Cinematography. You have Rosemary's Baby, Best Supporting Actress. Great movie. You have Aliens 1986, which won Best Sound Editing, Best Visual Effects. And Alien from 1979, the first one, which won Best Visual Effects. And Get Out recently won in 2017 for Best Original Screenplay. And the one that has topped them all of the horror genre is Silence of the Lambs from 1991, which won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. One of them, only three movies to accomplish the big five. And it being a horror movie is very, uh, it's very interesting that that movie won all those awards out of anything. And when we first looked at this list and we were kind of trying to figure out like, what's the common theme? It's that these movies aren't necessarily the horror movies that you think of. They're not slasher. They're not gore, you know, they're more psychological thrillers that uh, really play with the audience's emotions. And you can kind of see that while the Academy has awarded some movies that are in the horror genre and Oscar, they're not exactly the horror movies that again, like me and John are just talking about, or the ones that fit like a Halloween type of theme, you know, and that's kind of the whole purpose of even talking about horror is for Halloween. There's not like a, that traditional kind of Halloween movie that is one. So is there any movie that from that list that like really sticks out to you at first uh, out of those 18 movies that won an Oscar? Well, I wouldn't say there's one that really sticks out. It's more so you can see a pattern between all of those films where it's 
either a psychological thriller or psychological horror film or it's really kind of on the edge of that especially the science of the lambs and when you look at those awards they're usually not as technical like that is a best picture nominee and it's also best director best actor actress and adapted screenplay but then you look at a film like the fly for instance or the original dr jekyll mr hyde where that is yes nominated for best actor and wins for frederick march but it doesn't really get any other awards for its uh, other technical award or other technical categories and the fly in 1986 where it's just makeup so you can kind of see a pattern where if it's a monster or like a body horror kind of film not only do those not really get nominated or recognized very often but they're really only thrown in for a couple technical awards for uh, either makeup later on when you get uh, American Werewolf in London which obviously so worthy it's some of the best makeup of all time uh, by Rick Baker I think and you can just see that there's not too much of a respect for the acting abilities or like the actual uh, production design like where you see best art direction for Sleepy Hollow that really stands out because it's I've seen that movie it's it's really beautiful to look at and has these amazing costumes and set design and you're like that's so many horror films though and dating all the way back to like the 30s with Dracula like all these films have such beautiful set designs and uh, costuming because it's a part of these genres so you can kind of see the pattern where the Academy seems to not really respect these kind of creature features or these monster films or if it's more par paranormal. They really just want it to be focused on something more realistic like a serial killer when you look at The Silence of the Lambs. And that's a really interesting film to kind of like label out there, especially it being such a big winner. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. But how about you? Is there anything that jumps out to you that uh, you want to talk about? Well, I... I just think it's the type of awards that have been won. And yeah, they most of them are technical, but there are a few that have won screenplays, you know, get out one signs of the lambs and, uh, uh, the exorcist one, you know, and also we didn't really mention, but promising young woman from this past year, which we, we had kind of a debate. Is that really a horror movie? Is that more of a thriller? But it also fits, it sort of fits into that horror genre. So you kind of have to include it, even though it's not on this like big main list. Psychological slasher, can we call it that? Yeah, I think we can call it that one. But then I also look at like the actor and actresses one. You know, Frederick Marsh winning for uh, winning for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I actually watched that for the purposes mm -hmm. of just talking about this today. Um, one, because we recently were just talking about Frederick Marsh with the best years of our lives. And I watched that performance and it's not really a, a horror movie. You know, it's it's like a little creepy and like freaky, but it's not like a gory type movie. It, it It's a little bit psychological, but it also falls into like, Oh, well it's in 1931. So it wasn't going to be as scary as again, like a, a hereditary, a midsummer and it and Halloween type of more recent ones. So it's, uh, it's certainly, it, it really does focus more on the technical categories for horror movies, but it is kind of cool to see some that have like sort of branched out, but also those movies you can tell aren't the, again traditional horror movies that you maybe think of especially in the halloween uh time of the year i think the academy loves a good transformation of either an actress or an actor they love when they really transform into a role and then when you get makeup and stuff added to it i think it, they just love knowing a famous actor like frederick march and seeing him in as you know dr or mr hyde transforming from dr jekyll you're just you're fascinated. You're like, how is that the same person? Like, this is amazing. And I think the Academy can kind of get really caught up in that. And, you know, having the fly win best makeup is, is so obviously 
perfect for that film. It has insane makeup. But, like, there's a clear missing nomination there for Jeff Goldblum for Best Actor. Like, he's phenomenal in that movie. He's so good in that movie. And to say that that's not worthy of a nomination yet you can give it Best Makeup, it's really, really weird. And I think it's just that they focus solely on these more dramatic pictures for actors and maybe if it's like a slower year like I would love to look at obviously we have many years to get to 1991 but I would love to look at the competition between the Silence of the Lambs and what was the other kind of competition there in terms of best actor and really best picture overall like I would love to know specifically of that kind of comparison and we'll definitely get there eventually but well I can tell you that in terms of movies that were nominated that year for like best picture <laughs> you're gonna love this Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. uh, you have JFK Bugsy uh, Prince of Tides, Boys in the Hood, no Best Picture nomination. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day was also part of that year, but no Best Picture nomination. So it wasn't that strong of a year, but... I think JFK is usually like the yeah. runner-up that people always say should have won, I think. The people that don't like The Silence of the Lambs. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely fair. We also have Get Out, like a newer film as yeah. well, which won for Best Original Screenplay. And that... that and, and Promising Young Woman, I think, is a shift for this modern Academy era where I am I think we can really branch out a little bit more. I think Get Out, as much as it has these amazing like social commentaries, uh, especially with, uh, you know, the black community in America and uh, the police brutality, and it ties to this like constant microaggression from between black and white people in America. And it's really beautiful. It's such a well-written screenplay. But that movie's insane. It's like, yeah. spoiler alert, it's literally you're transferring souls into other bodies. Like, that is so goofy and <laughs> ridiculous. Is. And it shows how well-written that is to be able to portray that. But that is so out there. And if you told me, like, in high school, in, like, the, the early, I mean, late 2010s, like, that, that a movie like that with that plot would win Best Original Screenplay, I would have never believed that because that is so far out there. And same with Promising Young Woman. Like, it's really out there to nominate and not only that, but win as well in in one of these categories. Yeah. I think it's that people have appreciated thrillers more and more of the psychological stuff. I mean, even when you look at the, the best actress and best supporting actress award winners, you know, you have the biggest one, which is just my all time favorite, Natalie Portman for black Swan. I mean, you know, the psychological, you know, play that's going on there is like the split personality, the, you know everything that's going on around her the anxiety that, that she brings into that performance is huge but then you look at some other ones you know you have misery with kathy bates which is just like she's the the one of the ultimate villains you know in 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 film you look at you know rosemary's baby with ruth gordon as mini castavetti and just like that whole movie is a big mind fuck you know I, it's one of my favorite movies uh but that movie is so that movie is very similar to like a hitchcock movie and i hate bringing up hereditary again but it's like still part in that same vein um, so it, yeah, I, I, I think it's like the Academy shift is getting younger and there's more appreciation for these out there type of roles that seeing people go try and like put, go through something with it, with their characters that push them through some stuff. I mean, we talked about in the Oscar recap, going back to promising young woman, uh, that, that she should have won for best actress, you know, and that she deserved it. And she, but her whole performance is so creepy. It's so, it, again, it plays with psychological stuff. So it's it's really is fascinating that the common theme with these movies has to do with thrillers and more psychological stuff and there is the kind of separation in this like like no you can't be a part of this even though uh you know gore and body horror really do advance like a lot of the technical stuff in, in film and you can see it transition over even to war films the way that they should display blood and 
all that gore. You know, you Definitely. can you can clearly clearly see it coming from, you know, a place in horror. And so maybe now we should kind of talk about though the films that were also nominated for best picture and kind of where those fall in. So it going in order. So first the exorcist in 73 jaws in 75 science of the lambs in 91 six cents in 1999 black swan in 2010 and get out in 2017. So the only one that won is the science of the lambs, obviously, but do you think any of those maybe should have won, um, you know, best picture? I mean, the exorcist had 10 nominations that year, only walking away with two. The Exorcist is pretty, it's such an oddball, right? Like the fact that movie is amazing, obviously, and it's so out there, especially even in the horror genre, being the early 70s too, before, you know, the defining slasher films like Halloween and Black Christmas and Friday 13th. And that movie is so disturbing, even still today. I think that's my brother's like scariest film of all time. I think he'll probably never change that. And it's really frightening. I think it's, it's pretty phenomenal that that's even nominated for best picture and that that's there and, and will forever be kind of signified as a best picture nominee. And you could maybe argue that that is a start and kind of turn of the tides. Maybe we're getting a younger Academy audience and we're getting more used to it, but it's, it's very paranormal, right? We have the religious aspect to it. It's so freaking disturbing. And I think it's totally worthy of those other nominations as well. Whether it could win Best Picture, I think it's crazy that it's even nominated alone. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, the, the Exorcist? Yeah, I I love it. You know, I think it it really does a lot. I mean, it's pretty iconic. You know, again, even with I remember as a kid, I forget where I was. I th- I think it was like some sort of like Universal Studios, but I don't even know if the Exorcist is Horror part. Night. Yeah, but it was like they were showing off like special effects, and they were showing how they did like the spinning head and, oh, yeah, and all yeah. that. So I thought like that was really cool. But it lost out to the Sting from that year. I don't think you've seen the Sting with Robert Redford and, and Paul Newman. It's a great movie, but very it's, different than the Exorcist. It's so, it's so <laughs> different. It is so different than the Exorcist. So it like wasn't there. But then we can also look back, and I didn't really mention it because of Rebecca. And this is where another part of the conversation that I wanted to have with you. Is because Rebecca is not a horror movie, but it has the psychological part of it, but it's not really horror, so it doesn't really. Is it part of this list? Is it not? And and that's where, you know, I mean, many film genres can like are very malleable and can go different places, but with horror, it really can go into a number of different ways. And um, so I just wanted to pose that question and like, how can we really define horror? And like, so we sort of broke down that the Oscar loves thrillers and psychological stuff. But now how can we like define horror that maybe we can help some other future horror movies to become best picture winners? That's a really hard one. And I think a lot of people looked at Rebecca as being quite terrifying, really suspenseful at very, at the very least. And you know, what is a horror film without suspense and having those two together? And again, it's also about murder. It's, it's part murder mystery. It's part psychological thriller and I think it's like so close to being on the edge of an actual psychological horror film. I think if there were any moments that are kind of glimpsing and looking close to Psycho where you see a murder or there's more of dead bodies, I think we could like just cross the line. But I think most people don't define Rebecca as a horror film because it doesn't really cross that line where we we discuss murders, but it doesn't really want to focus on it. More so wants to you know, build up the tension of, Oh, did she actually get murdered or like what might have actually happened? And it relies more on the the murder mystery aspect of it and then leading into the, the court case as as we talked about. Yeah. Is that the most hard? Well, 
outside of Psycho, maybe the birds. <laughs> is that the most horror horror s that Hitchcock gets? I'm trying to think of like other movies. I mean, his other movies are like spy thrillers, or you know, there's more psychological in play. But in terms of like an actual horror, obviously of Psycho and obviously of the birds. But is Rebecca kind of that next one that? is a horror type of movie. I think you could look at Rebecca as like where he's trying to get to eventually to Psycho and, and Birds being kind of a monster movie in a way. I don't, I think, yeah, like you said, it's it's spy thrillers. I think he leans a lot in murder mysteries for sure where you're kind of trying to figure it out. Like you got Rear Window and you have uh, Rope where there's this ongoing murder mystery that you're trying to pinpoint. And I think he focuses more with his characters on the detectives or the wannabe detectives, which kind of takes it out of being a horror film. Uh, the majority of it, you know, I guess you could look at like a saw film where you get both of the killer and the, the cop kind of back and forth. But I don't think he crosses that line with most of his films until you get to like psycho or birds. You know? So I'm glad that you brought up psycho uh, saw. I meant. I'm glad you brought that up just because uh, again, like we were talking about that, but while we were kind of preparing for this and, that's a really popular movie and that's a like i know it becomes really gory in the you know the the eight or nine that follow after yeah. i even forget where we all saw how many there are i have spiral it, it doesn't even have numbers yeah. I, I don't know i don't know i think i think it's probably eight or nine but anyways but like that first one isn't as like gory it's much again much more psychological it's sort of a detective story and should that movie may have been considered more? I mean, it was very popular. It's still a really good movie. It's almost a play in some aspects. Yeah, definitely. You're locked in that that creepy-ass bathroom with them. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think maybe screenwriting. I think when you look back at it, like, cinematography-wise, it's really dated. But at the same time, Saw kind of helped define that early 2000 horror look. So it's a really, really, like, a fantastic film that's really stood up I think and, and still holds up with its screenplay I'm blanking on the name though it's essentially a remake of an, an original film I forget if it's Korean or not I don't know someone's going to call us out for not knowing the name <laughs> of this but uh, yeah it is essentially a remake that's not really credited so there's that whole element and especially with Americans kind of stealing from other Japanese horror films like Hasu or House in America and especially the Korean genres now where we have so many great Korean filmmakers that are kind of defining what horror is. So, and I think you could even bring up a Korean director like Bong Joon-ho where he rides the line where he's made monster movies. And, and I was having an argument with my girlfriend, not an argument, but a conversation of like, could parasite even be considered a horror film? And I'm like, well, it's psychological. It's on the edge. Like there is murder in it. And yeah, he does have like a blade, like it's a slasher at the end, but it's not really about that. It's it's, he really blends genres so much. So it's hard to, hard to really say and define exactly where that lies. And, and when do you cross over to being a horror film? Because a lot of that movie is not a horror film. It's about like the beauty of this family and and how kind of disturbing they are, but how yeah. they also love each other as a family. And it's so the, complicated. The dynamics of society and yeah, it's it's so much more. And uh, I can't wait to break that one down. But that's like we many, have so many. many years, <laughs> I don't even know many years. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Oscar wise, uh, many, Oscar many wise, years, it's yeah. it's in the nineties. But uh, yeah, but I feel like now. You know, the conversation that we have to have is what movies that weren't nominated that were hard that deserves recognition. And I feel like, you know, we made like a little bit of a list that it kind of ranges, but it it feels like the more recent movies that have come out should have gotten more attention. So, you know, 
out of like the several that we have written down, what's one in particular that you feel very strongly should have been a nomination? Well, we have to acknowledge too that 1927 is when the Academy kind of launches and we have the first best picture. But before that, we also have the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Nosferatu in 1922 and Phantom of the Opera in 1925. So there's, we're already seeing like the development of it. And I think you could look at Germany and German expressionism as, as being kind of a, a leading kind oh, of a hundred percent. Yeah. Kind of defining what a horror film is and, and what a psychological horror film could be. Well, we even talked about in uh, sunrise in the very first episode that yeah. like, even that, you know, the guy's trying to kill his wife. Like that's pretty psychological in your face, but it doesn't exactly go full throttle where a horror movie goes. But again, it has that influence and rooted in, in German expressionism. Uh, so yeah, a hundred percent. Like there are movies that, that were part of like the, the horror genre that just didn't get recognized early enough. But then again, as horror has transitioned and developed and, and evolved over the, the decades, you, you get a little bit farther away from where it originally started. Yeah, definitely. I think when I don't really have a specific film, but it's hard not to talk about the classic monster films from the thirties that kind of helped define these characters that still are around today. You know, they're releasing the 4k box set of all these universal monster movies. And just they're getting this remade. Year. And now they're getting remade. Yeah. By the solid creator. Uh, what is his name? Lee Winnell, I think, um, who did the invisible man from 2020, I think. But yeah, the classic monster movies, you have Dracula from 1931, same year, Frankenstein, you have the mummy from 32 and the invisible man from 33. And, you know, we talked about the the special effects and makeup category not coming till later, but we also have the Invisible Man from 1933, where the special effects category wasn't made until 1939, and that film has incredible, incredible special effects. It's it's unbelievable, honestly, watching that now, and it's not perfect like we would with CGI and, and what we would see now, but it's it's so notable and incredible that they were able to do that almost a hundred years ago. And how can you not like talk about Frankenstein and Dracula with these iconic characters that are still inspiring new creations of vampires and Dracula? I think you look at like a film on Netflix or a TV show on Netflix that just came out this year, Midnight Mass, which is so focused on the kind of tale of Dracula, essentially. So it's really fascinating to see that all these films, you know, it's right at the beginning of the Academy Awards and the history of Oscars, but there's not really any recognition for Frankenstein and these universal monsters like the mummy. So I just, it makes me feel like they really just look down upon these as being kind of, you know, lower than their big worthy Oscar films where you have these dramatic pictures about love and marriage or war. And they're like the mummy, like this guy who's chasing after a woman. <laughs> like, no, that's like a joke. I feel that's the way it kind of comes off when you look at these early films, the way that they're just completely dismissed and not even acknowledged. Yeah. I wonder if now if people would give retroactive Oscars, I mean, but maybe not. I mean, I, I think it's totally up to, it's obviously up to the voting base, but yeah, it, it, you definitely, there was a lot ignored very early on and there's stuff that's ignored even now i mean again bring up hereditary tony collette she definitely should have been nominated one but one in particular nomination i think should have been given out was to uh bill skarsgård for it actually is pennywise oh he's phenomenal i love i thought he was going to get a best supporting actor nomination for it i mean that 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 first the second it is not really great although he kills it again in that movie but he but he's awesome as pennywise and and again, I think that's feeding more into like that whole like actors and actresses are kind of 
more willing to do these thriller type of roles. They're more willing to push the limits and, and really go out there. And, uh, you know, I, you know, in a way, like if you want to really think about it, like with the father and Anthony Hopkins, like that's a little psychological and plays with it. It's not horror, but again, like you can kind of see that like the Academy is more accepting of that starting with like Natalie Portman, like 2010 and going back to even the nineties with misery and signs of the lambs. Like you can see that clear transition that we're starting to massage that in. And I think it's just going to become more and more where a lot more psychological roles are going to be, you know, they're going to be given to at least be nominated. I don't know if they'll win, but at least they'll be nominated. I think it's going to be more and more uh, prevalent in, in the Academy Awards and, and, and as they go on. So just to kind of wrap up this whole conversation on horror movies and it's Halloween time. So what's a Halloween type of movie uh, that you think should win an Oscar? So one that hasn't been nominated but should win an Oscar. But it has to be Halloween-themed. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to go to the original Halloween. (laughs) I mean, like, you can't talk about Halloween films without talking about a film called Halloween. Halloween from 1978, not the 2018 remake. God, we can definitely get into that because I would love to talk about how horror films, especially now, especially with Scream coming in 2022, naming it the same film. But, yeah, we have to talk about Halloween I mean, the fact that that wasn't nominated for best score is ridiculous. It's <laughs> one of the most iconic scores of all time of, of any film ever. I think it's it's up there with Gone with the Wind of being that iconic of a score. I think you just can play that song and that iconic theme and you'll know exactly where it's from. It's still terrifying and it's just become a theme for the, our actual holiday. So there's not a better film that I think helps define Halloween than a classic slasher film where... You know, if you just kind of silo Halloween and look at the original film, it's really terrifying still. I think it really holds up, and it's got that fear, if you're watching it as a child, that literally anyone could step out, anyone could knock on your door and just come in and start to murder, you know, all your friends and family. It's it's horrifying, and it still holds up, I think, drastically. And, you know, we have a fun time with all these remakes and, and bringing Laurie Strode back, and going back to these original characters is interesting, but... Nothing beats the original Halloween and how like authentic it feels and how rough around the edges it is and how it was kind of like this bandit crew that were just trying to make this film and none of them had made a feature basically uh, other than like John Carpenter and they were all kind of trying to work together to make the best film possible and I think it really holds up. It has this really genuine feel to it where it's defining these this genre but you know when we talk about Halloween I think there's other films that have kind of, it definitely inspired it. I think when we talk about nominated Best Picture films too, we look at Jaws, which I think is, some people wouldn't even consider that a horror film. It's kind of on the edge. But really when you look at that film and the way it uses like perspective and point of view, which was really phenomenal for the time, and I think it really helped inspire horror films like Black Christmas, like Halloween, to really use that sense of dread and sense of like a character not knowing what's coming for them. And it was used in what some people might consider an action film. But uh, I think it deserves to be in the horror film. I think Jaws is almost a slasher character in itself, and you could see that with its continuous remakes and, and sequels that they've done. And I wonder when we'll get another Jaws sequel. I, I think that's got to be coming. Maybe uh, the Meg? Does that <laughs> not count? Yeah, I guess you could say there's spin-off sequels, but I think before we die, we'll see another Jaws, either a remake of the original 
or just a continue some bizarro continuation of the series. But yeah. How about you? Is there a defining Halloween film for you? It's funny because when I first asked myself that question, you're gonna you're gonna hate me. You're really gonna hate me. Uh, I thought of Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my god! <laughs> Which that's I was a just, Christmas movie. Get I, the fuck out! Of I here. know, but it's like a, it's a Halloween Town vibe type of thing. But one in particular that uh, that I really like, and I know it's it's very popular for a lot of people, is uh, actually The Witch, which came out in 2015. It's uh, I I don't know. To me, the ultimate like Halloween themed monster or kind of character or villain you can play with is a witch. I think I just something about it, you know, Wizard of Oz, obviously the Wicked Witch of the West when it comes to mind, but the witch specifically, and I know it, it's pilgrims and psychological again, but just something about that screams Halloween that like it's fall weather, the pilgrims type of thing like that classic colonial background to me really screams Halloween. And to an extent that also means that like a movie like Sleepy Hollow fits perfectly like the headless horseman, I think is a part. I mean, obviously having the pumpkin head definitely, I, I think fits in perfectly. So I, it's a, I don't know. I was kind of having like fun with it, trying to think of like, oh, like Nightmare Before Christmas. And I think of more traditional stuff like that. But I think really anything with a witch in it feels like the most kind of Halloween type of thing uh, that, that I can think of. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sleepy Hollow is a great just to kind of get you in the mood of the season and fall and just kind of like really embrace that and, and be a part of it. But uh, yeah, I think you can look at, we haven't talked too much about Psycho and, you know, that being such a defining film for Hitchcock and the genre. and That was of, ignored by the Academy. Exactly. Completely kind of ignored. But it's interesting that that uh, didn't get more love. I, I Obviously, it's kind of... It's gotten love now. Later. It's one of the most iconic films of all time, I think. And especially speaking of an iconic score and iconic theme, you know, it's it really holds up. So maybe... It, horror is better off not really being loved by the academy i don't think it really matters i think you know these obviously we want our films to be honored obviously we love the academy awards and and we want to see the films that we love to watch and share with friends and and family but sometimes that just doesn't matter and if there's a film that we just like have a fun time with it, it doesn't even have to be considered like a great film or you know there's bad performances or there's really goofy things or there's even just mistakes that you see on screen <laughs> yeah like that doesn't make it a bad experience like some of the horror films are just about having fun and just seeing stuff that like you really shouldn't be seeing whether you're a kid or you're just like enjoying watching someone die like there's something inherently wrong about that but that's also why we love horror films so much it's like this weird dark side that we shouldn't be seeing but also like we just want to see it because we're disturbed human beings and <laughs> yeah, that's we, just what horror films are all we're about all, we're all a little messed up yeah you know but i think that's a good way just to cap this whole conversation about horror and and the oscars you know kind of a brief discussion but it's fun just to just to talk about you know the horror genre it, it is a fun thing it plays around with so many great technical elements of filmmaking and there have been some really good ones that have won oscars that have been recognized and you know again like so what if not every single horror movie that we like is being nominated there's a ton of like comedies that don't get recognized yeah. or, or, or romantic movies that don't and you know and that's just the oscars being the oscars but at least they have recognized some and at least there is one and then maybe another few that you can try and branch off to horror that has like one best picture which ultimately for this podcast and and for our sakes is like the important thing is that a lot of genres are being represented uh within the movie world not necessarily the people and stories but genres at least are getting represented throughout its history so any final thoughts on horror 
Halloween, you know, any any creepy stories you want to tell the <laughs> the folks out there, John? No, no creepy stories. I just think when we look into the future of the relationship with the Academy and and these horror films, I think there's a couple, you know, shining lights. I think when you look at Jordan Peele, obviously we have the the screenplay win and we have him being kind of this leading torch that people are looking at of horror films and how they can kind of coincide and, and be Oscar worthy. Um, obviously, we talked. You talked a little bit about Hereditary and Ari Aster. I think he's an incredible filmmaker. Who the fact that Tony Collette did not get a nomination for a performance in that is, or is, even Florence Pugh in Midsummer. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like he is creating such unique and visually stunning films, and for the neither of those to be nominated for cinematography alone is is pretty ridiculous. So. I think there is a bright future. I think you look at Jason Blum, too, who's part of Blumhouse or created Blumhouse, and they're making these really low-budget horror films that, you know, they may not all be great, but not every film has to be great, and, and not every film has to be nominated for it to be an enjoyable, fun time. So, yeah, I hope you guys have a happy Halloween. Thanks for joining us on this amazing Halloween episode. Is there anything else you want to add to this, Ben? It was a dark and stormy night, my creepy little friends. Enjoy your Halloween, everyone. Be safe out there and eat lots of yummy candy. And don't let the boogeyman bite. Boo. Thanks for listening to Worthy, a breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to Worthy Submissions at gmail.com. That's Worthy Submissions at gmail.com.